Hello and welcome to Spirit Life Applied, Season 3, Episode 13. Is God weary with my requests? Before we begin today, I just want to say thank you to all of you who are out there listening and receiving from this ministry. And my prayer is that it will bless you and it will help you to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God and the concepts from the Word that will help you to live out what is being taught. The title of our podcast is Spirit Life Applied, and it's always been my number one desire and goal with this podcast to see people learn and walk out what the Word of God teaches through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you to those who have uh, been devoted followers and are uh, allowing this to feed you on a regular basis. I just want to encourage you, search it out, study with me, and check out what I'm saying according to the Bible. Let it be the authority in your life, and you will grow in God, and you will go forth as a fruitful uh, Christian that can win others to Jesus. So today we're looking at the subject taken from Matthew chapter 7 verses uh, 7 through 11. This is the 7-11 of Matthew chapter 7. And uh, it the title is, Is God Weary With My Requests? Sometimes we can feel like uh, we're not uh, being received well, that we are wearing someone out, wearing our welcome out, you might say. Have you ever had someone that was just intrusive into your life and maybe a salesman or someone that, you know, came to your home wanting something or, you know, just a situation where, uh, maybe you weren't so crazy about the company. Well, sometimes we can feel in our spirit like we are wearing God out or we're wearying Him with our much requests. But I want to settle some of those thoughts today and kind of approach this and give you some real insight into the Word of God about that particular subject. It says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, who if he asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent if the, you, you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him so let's just Take a step back and look at 
what the context of this scripture is and the setting. As you know, we're studying about how to be invincibly strong in our spiritual man, our spiritual house. And Jesus has sat down on this hillside and he is speaking to his followers in a mentoring fashion, in a caring manner. Now, Jesus is a man who is beginning to have much demand on him. He has done miracles. People are beginning to to follow him and um, worship him, and they are huge fans, you might say. And the paparazzi of the day is starting to gather. But here's something that's so profoundly rich. He is expressing to these people that they need to ask, they need to seek, and they need to knock on God's door and be persistent about it. It's so beautiful. It shows the nature of God, how giving God is. And I want to bring that out to you this morning. I want to share with you about how he's the divine giver. When we come to him, there is so much perfection in him that we can't even explain it all. But he has such a pure heart of love for us that he wants us to ask in a manner that is persistent He wants us to seek after him with our whole heart. And he wants us to knock on his door anytime, day or night. You know, it says in this verse, everyone who asks receives. And he who asks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. There's no social standing requirements here. (laughs) There's no uh, particular religious duties he's saying you got to do first. He says everyone who asks, those who seek, fine. And to him who knocks, it will be open. So he's saying, I'm not a respecter of persons like mankind can be with the prejudices that may exist in our cultures today. But he is saying, I accept anyone who comes to me. He sees our heart. He knows our motives behind everything that we do. So the question is, are we asking according to his will? Are we seeking with the right motive? And are we coming to him? wanting the truest answers and the access to his presence for the right reasons. It's a beautiful picture of God's nature to us. So we understand that he is no respecter and any of us are are eligible, you might say, to come asking, seeking, and knocking on God's door. We also want to point out to you this divine giver is much, much more 
wise and much, much more aware of what we need. Because he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? He is not just a God who is at a distance that you can't come to Him, but He's your heavenly Father. Let that sink in. He's not to be compared to your earthly father who is actually, his, he's evil compared to God. He is your heavenly father, a good God, a good dad. He wants to watch over you and take care of your need. You never weary him. It's okay for you to spiritually crawl up in his lap and tell him about every broken dream and every broken toy and all of the things that hurt. He will care for you. So let's move on to this context of what it means to ask. You know, in the original language here, it actually could be uh, interpreted to read, ask, 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 and keep on asking. It's an active patience. When you think about it, he's wanting us to be have perseverance. The asker just keeps on asking. It does not mean that we need to beg God to answer our prayers, but rather it means instead of worrying about a certain issue, we take it to God. We acknowledge that that situation is in His hands. And asking means that we recognize our need and that we trust God to hear our prayers. So what does active patience look like? You know, I'd never really heard that term before and it kind of sounds like it's a contradiction in terms almost when you think about being active and being patient. Is it a constant wringing of the hands and pacing back and forth? Well, no. We know that that's not what he means here. How can you be active and be patient at the same time? Well, I begin to look at this and it it reminded me of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. It's The active part is, is found here. It says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This picture that we see here is a warrior. And I love how it says, 
having done all, stand. In other words, when, when life hits you with a problem and you've got questions you need answered, you need God to intervene. He's saying the warrior puts on his armor and gets ready. And in the Amplified where it says, having done all to stand, it says, having done all that the crisis demands. You know, we might have to go to an emergency room. We might have to take some actions over the things that have happened uh, to respond to the emergency that we're facing. But he's not saying that we, we aren't involved, you know, in this situation. To have active patience means that we are armoring ourselves with the Word of God, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, you know, and he's saying, and, and put on all of these things. What what are they? Well, let, let me just kind of give you a little bit of hints on some of this, and I encourage you to study this out. But having your loins girt about with truth, okay, in those days, in the Roman Empire, uh, when they went to battle, they would actually, they had long robes on. So they would take those long robes and pull them up, take a belt, tie up their long robes to where their, their from like their knees down would be free and they would be able to run into battle. So let's apply that. When we uh, gird up the loins of our mind, we are, uh, or go gird up your loins with truth. And there's also another part of scripture that, that puts it that way, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, what that means is to prepare for battle by finding what truth in the Bible responds to your situation. So when you have a problem come up, look in the Word of God and see if there's some scripture about what you're dealing with. And it will give you the belt of truth to help you go into the battle freely, being able to pursue and run the enemy down. <laughs> you know, we don't just take the... Uh, the defensive, but we go on the offensive. We storm the gates of hell and we take back what Satan has stolen from us. Oh, there's so many scriptures I could quote right there. So gird up the loins of your mind with the truth of the belt of truth and wrap it around your spiritual garment and run into battle. Having on that helmet of salvation, you know what that's all about? How you think about who you are in Christ. That's your identity. Go back and, and study an episode about your identity in Christ. There are some good, powerful teachings on this. And it is so uh, foundational to your spiritual walk that you understand in your mind who you are in Christ. And you abolish every stronghold that goes against the Word of God. I need to move on. So active patience is arming yourself with the Word of God and continuing to 
to deal with the situation, doing what the crisis demands, but at the same time proclaiming and telling ourselves, the Word teaches me to be patient in tribulation. The Word teaches me that Jesus is my peace. It's resting in that. And uh, having active active patience is, is the continual coming with the Word of God in hand, claiming the promises that applies to what we need while the patient part is finding peace and rest in the Holy Spirit. Let's move on to the second section of this teaching where Jesus talks about asking. He moves on to saying those who seek will find. Well, a seeker will be willing to to seek and to be searched out. So, what what am I saying here? Well, seeking means that our request is earnest and that we are willing to obey God and pursue His purposes when He responds with an answer or instruction. You know, when you're willing to to seek for an answer, that means you're going to take time. Uh, If I lose something and, and I can't find it, I might have to clean an area, uh, take something apart. Let's just say that, uh, you know, uh, something falls out of my pocket down into the couch cushion. Well, what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to take the couch cushions out and look and find it. It's going to take a few minutes to find what I'm looking for. A seeker has the willingness to sacrifice time to search what God is trying to teach me. When we learn uh, to be active in our patience, we will be willing to search out the Word of God, seek God's face, not just His hand for a handout, (laughs) but His face for wisdom, for relationship with Him. Divine connection and intimacy. It's speaking of all of these things. Jesus is challenging us that when we are willing, we will do what Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This whole salvation experience is all about the the lover being pursued and them coming to each other and pursuing each other back and forth it's the relationship of you and God coming he is chasing us down with his love he is commended his love to towards us that while we were yet sinners he died for us so that's him chasing us and he wants to bless us and give us answers and prosper us but it is even as our soul prospers and so what he does is he will allow us to go through things that causes us to search for him because when we have to search we become more intimate with him Oh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful relationship that we can have with God. Pastor Curtis McGee, he 
said this, God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. Wow. Think about it. He doesn't hide it from you that so you'll never find it. He hides it for you so you will find it. And when you find it, it will be more precious to you than if he had just handed it to you outright. Have you ever played with a little child and hidden something for them to find? Well, the joy and the delight for both the parent watching and the child is when that item is discovered and the surprise is there and the reward is given. It is the same with our Heavenly Father. He is delighted when we seek Him and find what we need from Him and it enriches our relationship with Him. What a powerful truth this is. James chapter 2, I'm sorry, James 4, verse 2 and 3 reminds us that we have not because we ask not. And the litmus test for our request is when we have a pure motive that has surrendered to God. So we will know that we are not asking according to our own lusts. Think about it. There's a song that's it's entitled, He is Able. And it says, If he chooses not to move in the way that we prayed he would, I'm confident that he's working all together for my good. And I will stand behind his word for he is able. What a beautiful phrase and ology there that when he chooses not to move, I might pray something that I may not be asking according to his will or it may not be time yet for that miracle to happen. And if he chooses not to do it, We need to be confident that he's working all things together for our good. Amen? And we can stand on his word because he is able to do what we're asking. We have to just trust him in the process. Sometimes the questions of life and the whys are overwhelming. But when we surrender to being searched... We will not just read God's word for answers, but we will let God's word read us. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, The word of God is living and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So what am I saying here? When you read the word of God, it's living and it's powerful. And it pierces into your heart and it discerns and exposes to you what your motives are. What the intentions of your heart are. And it exposes things in us When we begin to search for answers in God's Word, God's Word will do this to us. So when we are seekers, we will be surrendered to being searched by God from His Word. So we we allow Him 
to do spiritual surgery on us through the Word of God. And what it does is it pierces through there and it shows you what those intentions, those unchristlike ways that are in you, those selfish ways, those motives that aren't aren't pure, that are trying to be self-assertive instead of self-sacrificing. Well, God will pierce through that and he'll expose that to you. And you'll be able to make a choice of whether or not you're ready to repent and let him heal your heart and cleanse you from that unrighteousness or if you want to continue to walk and it will become rebellion and a sin of transgression at that point. I want to encourage you. I'm giving you something here that is powerful and so imperative to whether or not you really are going to be God's child. This is what we allow him to do. Carter Conlon said this, You can't hear the voice of God if your will is stronger than his will. Let me just say it again. You can't hear the voice of God if your will is stronger than his will. The last portion of this says, To him who knocks will he open the door. You know, when you've got to go to somebody's house, you'll uh, look up the address or have their address or possibly just know their address. Uh, let's just say that we don't know the address. So we, what do we do? Uh, for most Americans, uh, we'll put it in our phone, in our GPS, and that um, global positioning um, apparatus that we have will tell us how to go, where to go, and how to get there in the quickest, and it'll give you different routes you can take. Well, when you're knocking on heaven's door, we're talking about knocking here. Jesus said, to him who knocks will I open the door. We need to make sure that we are focusing on who we're going to. When we knock on heaven's door, our focus and our attention is not divided, trying to find all the answers in every other place in the world. But we're knocking on heaven's door. The address is plain. And we're standing in front of heaven's resources. We are focused on heaven's resources. And we are looking to have a relationship with the one behind that door. We're looking to come in and commune with him and sup with him. He tells us in Revelations that he stands at the door and he knocks. But he wants us to come knocking first. That would be the ultimate reward as far as our God pursuing us. He's always pursuing us. But he loves it when we come knocking at his door. And those who knock, 
See God as the ultimate source. James 1 and 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Colossians 1 and 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So let's look at it like this. In light of those scriptures, there is no inhaling unless he exhales. There's no waking up, no cognitive thought or any human function unless he gives it to us. No roof over our heads, no job, no income. When this finally sinks in to our thick skulls, we can rest in the fact that God is a merciful God and a good God and that has he has provided all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Look at 2 Peter 1 and 3. So let's get our eyes off of the resources of this world and get them on the source of all life. It's not the Democrats or the Republicans that can fix the the corruption in the government. It's not the environmentalists that can save the planet. It's not the doctor who can heal your sick body. It's not the better job, the bigger house, or the beautiful spouse you have in mind that is going to satisfy your longings get your eyes on the source it's jesus he is beautiful he is mighty he is the way maker he is the miracle worker and he is the peace giver the soul satisfaction your bridegroom and you're all in all he is the source of all life and everything that exists exists because he gave us the ingredients for it. I just want to end with this verse. Is God weary with your requests? The answer is Isaiah forty twenty eight through 31. Have you not known and have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is he weary. He understands. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I call your attention to verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. God bless you today.